There's absolutely no way in a million years I would be on telly if I hadn't have done that apprenticeship at Black & Decker. No way. When I first started and I told a lot of my friends that I'm going to do a plumbing apprenticeship, it was sort of the case of why would you want to do that? You're just going to be unblocking toilets and that kind of thing. I think the, the idea of it is wrong. I think people don't actually know what it is. What I can, I think, say safely for someone who's done an apprenticeship in the British Army is that they also get those life skills. We need skills and learning for everybody. And if you just look at those school leavers and say not everybody wants to go to university, uh, so we should have more apprenticeships. Actually, at school, engineering was just as much for girls as it was for boys. I think I learned so much more at work than I do at university. Um, so I'm in my third year of my degree and I can honestly say that you will never match the kind of learning on the job aspect. Hi, I'm Georgie Frost and welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the HomeServe Foundation. Coming up, £3,000 to take on an apprentice. Why is it needed and is it enough? We'll be looking at the new improved government incentive schemes for business, asking what more can be done to encourage employers of all shapes and sizes to take on apprentices. And we'll be hearing from one such business to find out how it's working out for them. We'll also be getting the views of Helen Booth from the HomeServe Foundation and Dexter Hutchings, who, of course, you may remember as one of our apprentices from last season. We'll also get Helen's thoughts on what the CIPD had to say in the last episode about the apprenticeship levy. So let's get into this. Welcome, Helen and Dexter. Firstly, Helen, um, why would a company need money to take on an apprentice? Um, yeah, a great question. And I think when we're focusing on a sector such as the trade sector, where 60% of all businesses are small businesses, and you think about a small business employer, they will be dedicating a lot of time, a lot of resource um, to supporting an apprentice. They're busy anyway. They're working seven days a week. Um, and that apprentice will be a great asset to them in the future. In the first year, they might not see the value of that additional resource immediately. They'll definitely welcome them and they'll support them. But from a productivity point of view, it can take about 12 months for an apprentice to get up to speed. And so the time and effort involved will really sort of maybe impact on their finances and they will want a contribution to that apprentice's wages to help support them through that training. And then they will see that value come through and they will recognise it. But initially, it's about getting buy-in and giving the right level of support to that employer and that apprentice. Dexter, can you just run us through what's available to businesses and how that's changed recently? Yeah, of course. So incentives aren't aren't a new thing by any means. So for a while now, the government's offered incentives of up to £1,000 um, for employers hiring an apprentice aged 16 to 18 or those under 25 of an education health and care plan. Um, and then obviously back in August uh, 2020, Rishi Sunak then announced further financial incentives. Um, so this was, at that point, businesses were offered £2,000 to take on apprentices aged 16 to 24 and 1500 to employ an apprentice aged 25 and over. Uh, take up for some reason was really low. Um, so these incentives were extended. Uh, and were made more generous, which is why we're here today. So businesses can now apply for £3,000 uh, for each apprentice hired as a new employee 
I think this is quite important to note. It's, it's a new employee, so it can't be someone that's already in the firm. However, the biggest change is that this is available to all employers of all sizes and it's available to apprentices of all ages, um, which really expands how many people can actually kind of apply for the funding now for the businesses. Um, as long as that apprentice has joined the organisation between the 1st of April and the 30th of September. Um, so it has now got a window. So basically you have to take on that apprentice by the end of September. Um, and the, the imp other important thing to note is that at the beginning, I mentioned the £1,000 financial incentive that already existed. This is actually still available. So for some employers, they can apply for that £1,000 and the £3,000 and get a total of £4,000. Um, which obviously is going to help many small businesses. Um, I think the important thing to look at, though, is what's already available. So the, the funding structure of apprentices, of apprenticeships, sorry. So UK employers with a pay bill of three million are obviously levy payers. So at the moment, they pay into the levy and they can use that money to, to kind of train and assess apprentices. So at the moment, that money's going into that pot and it's, it's worth utilising for, for employers. They, if they don't spend it, essentially, they lose that money. Um, and it can be passed passed between kind of smaller employers, but it does complicate the issue. Um, so they are they're kind of worth spending that money. However, SMEs with a payable under three million pounds, so non-levy payers, um, only contribute five percent of the of the apprentice training. So this was ten percent before, um, and that's been reduced to five percent now. So the government actually pick up the remaining ninety-five percent of that. So they don't actually need to spend that much money on the overall apprenticeship. The main costs are recruitment, which I think is where this, this money can come in really helpful because, as Helen helpfully said earlier, it can cost a lot of money, especially for kind of sole traders um, who, who don't have the HR departments to actually to do that work for them already. Um, and then the really interesting thing is, so actually for those with fewer than 50 employees, um, the government will pay for the whole apprenticeship. So they pay for 100% of the training costs. Um, for 16 to 18 year olds and again 19 to 24 year olds with education health and care plan. As Dexter quite rightly said this is all about new entrants so this is about people taking on new employees and training them as an apprentice and we know in specific sectors this is really important because there are skill shortages for example the trade sector that we focus on so it is so important that we start to really support the industries and the businesses that need it the most and I think at the moment small employers are missing out because as Dexter explained large employers are pretty well set up for employing apprentices they have a levy to draw down on and yes they can give some donation to small employers but that doesn't go far enough because it just covers some training fees it doesn't help with wages it doesn't help with the infrastructure costs so I think we need to keep it very simple and focused to unlock the potential because we know apprenticeships have significantly reduced. There is a big gap. We know that in the trade sector alone, we need an additional 305,000 apprenticeships over the next 10 years. And that's without the demands of the new green agenda and the retrofit um, skills strategy, which is all about getting everyone environmentally friendly and ready for future infrastructure growth, building home improvements, ready to support the environmental carbon emission targets. There's so much opportunity, but we haven't got the skills development happening. So the more we can target and 
focus incentives in the investment that is required, the better and the simpler that can be, the better as well. At the moment, employers grapple around trying to understand it all. And I think it's very complicated. And I think the HomeServe Foundation strive to give them the guidance and support they need. But that needs to be a national endeavour and we need additional support to help unlock this potential. Helen, you're talking about companies there, but what have you actually been hearing? What are businesses saying to you about these incentives? Are they enough? Are they happy with them? Will it make a difference? Yeah, we actually did a survey recently and we were lucky enough to get a thousand responses from small businesses in the trade sector within 24 hours. And what businesses told us was that there is a real appetite to take on an apprentice. There's a motivation there. They realise the value. They know they've got to develop skills for the future, but the incentives don't go far enough. So although we really welcome the increase up to £4,000, when we completed the survey, evidence showed us that over 54% of recipients of the survey would welcome an incentive of approximately £7,000, which is in sort of roundabout terms, about 50% of the wages in the first year. And I think realistically, that would increase the uptake significantly. And also through our Trade Skills Index report, it does demonstrate a, a good return on investment from um, the Treasury, because actually those apprentices will then translate into work, they'll be paying taxes, they'll be off benefits. So whatever investment is made now, within the next 10 years, we will be addressing the skill shortage. Our sector would have grown significantly, which is a big contribution to the economy, and there will be a return on that investment. So it's well worth it. Well, I think that's quite important for, I guess, the, the taxpayers to think, oh, you know, are we actually going to get this money back, Dexter, or are we just benefiting companies? Yes, yeah, so I think Helen kind of mentioned earlier about it being more targeted, which I think is, is a massive thing that we need to look at because at the moment we're throwing money all over the place and the larger employers are in a position where they probably don't need the funding. Whereas Helen's already said the smaller employers really need that funding. And actually, if we were to divide the funding up and give it all to smaller employers, they could then get that £7,000 because the, the larger employers that, that don't necessarily need the money um, could be paying to the smaller employers instead. Um, the other thing that we've got to look at as well is that we done a survey a couple of years back with the Apprentice Voice um, and apprentices themselves couldn't afford travel, couldn't afford lunch. Um, we actually need to look at how we support apprentices. So young people, we've already seen the UCAS report the other day, a lot of apprentices are struggling to actually find those apprenticeships to begin with. So the young people are actually really struggling to, to get into an apprenticeship. So how can we support them from day one when they're looking for that apprenticeship? How can we make sure that if there is a break where they're, they're not in education and they're not in work, that we can actually support them whilst they're job hunting? Because I think that's one of the biggest things is that we've actually been talking to employers that have vacancies but can't fill them because they can't find the right young people. And it's kind of this false dichotomy where we're saying that we need to give employers money, but actually at the same time, we need to make sure that the things are in place, that young people can actually get onto those apprenticeships. Well, that's the thing, Helen. Is it is it all about the money and all about the money to businesses? Because, you know, as Dexter pointed out there, we, we do need to support apprentices throughout the entire journey in getting there in the first place and once they're there affording to be You're an apprentice. You're absolutely right. And we have evidence at our training academy in Nottingham of employers actually paying the travel expenses for their apprentices. 
A lot of them travel quite a long way to attend the training and so there's hotel costs as well involved. And um, at the moment, an employer, a good employer, is covering those travel expenses costs or equipment costs as well. So another reason to either increase the incentive or offer another type of grant for the apprentice to encourage them to undertake the training. We know at HomeServe recently, we put out an advert for 10 apprenticeship vacancies. We got 5,000 applications. So the demand for apprenticeships is there. We just need to unlock the supply of good employers willing to take on an apprentice. I'm glad you talk about the employers because there can be a danger when we talk about these things to get quite obsessed with, I suppose, what the government should be doing. But there is doubtless things that the government can do to help this situation. Absolutely. I think there is about, Dexter quite rightly said, it's about allocating resources in the right way, utilising the levy effectively, ensuring entry level apprenticeships are supported in the sectors and in the small business environment who can make the biggest impact. Um, So it's about targeted investment and it's about supporting apprentices for the lifetime of their training and beyond. It's, it's all doable, it's all within our reach, and actually the potential for get it right is significant. Addressing youth unemployment is absolutely key at the moment. Never have we had such alarming stats as we've got now. So we really want to get behind apprenticeship training. It's good quality training, and it gives so many people, young people and older people, a great opportunity to start a good career. So we all feel really passionate about it. Dexter, it's great. It's great that we're talking about it. It's great the government is focused on this, whether we think the incentives go far enough or not. Is there a danger, though, that that we're focusing actually too much on on the money, too much on these incentives and not on the value that apprentices bring to a business or the quality of those apprenticeships? I think there is. I think it comes down to the the term incentive is probably the the wrong word because it kind of says incentive is that employees don't want apprentices is what that kind of word defines itself as whereas they do want apprentices we actually should be financial support or something like that um that kind of that shows that employers do want apprentices but they just need support getting them um and that that would be much better fitted um but i I think that there's this short-term approach that the government always seems to take where they throw money at something without a long-term plan um and what we want to see is that the government actually focus on quality so the, the funding at the moment is given after a year, which I think that the funding needs to be given earlier, but we've kind of things in place to make sure that those employers actually then uh, recruit those apprentices, because otherwise what we're going to have is we're going to have short term fixes that end up in unemployment at the end of those apprenticeships. Um, so we actually want to see kind of more support, but also just the things in place to make sure that we can get high quality apprenticeships over just loads of starts. Um, and then a decline because apprentices are dropping out for some reason or another. Well, you know, it's interesting you both talked about recruitment as well. You know, we can offer all the incentives under the sun, government schemes, et cetera, et cetera. But if young people, I mean, they clearly do want to, to, to become an apprentice. I mean, Helen just pointed that out. But if they can't access them, if they can't find them, we'll continue to see a decline in the stats. Yes, yeah, so at the moment, there's, there's a lack of information about apprenticeships, who recruits apprentices um, and how they can actually get onto an apprenticeship. But also there's this kind of disparity between employers putting out job application, but not really quite knowing uh, how to how to talk to young people. So we see it all the time with people putting out these applications saying you want to work for this company. 
kind of expecting young people to know what certain firms are when in the real world they don't know what these firms are they don't know what Deloitte do they don't know what PwC do um, and, and particularly these bigger organizations just make the bold assumption that young people know who they are and what they do um, and, and that for some reason or other they, they don't know about them so um, we actually need to make sure that there is something in place that that kind of informs young people about these apprenticeships and these organisations that are employing. I totally agree. It's almost like apprenticeships have not been given the sort of awareness that they deserve. They are an excellent vocational qualification. There is some more news coming out around the government shifting from university qualifications to more technical and vocational qualifications that give you a guarantee of a good job at the end of it and I think we'll see that changing but I think from a perception point of view um, school leavers and their parents need to recognise this as a great opportunity and it's not just about going to university. My name's Dylan Jones and uh, from a company called Ongas. We're based in Gloucestershire. Uh, we cover a lot of Kent as well, mainly work in domestic gas and commercial gas. And we've actually been looking for an apprentice for a number of years, but um, we found the process really, really difficult. Um, we originally tried to go through our local college, which was like sort of where we're based. Um, but the whole process was just, um, Maybe it was because of COVID at the time, but we weren't really sure. But it was just the whole process was just really difficult. And and we kind of gave up, um, to be honest. So our current apprentice, Ben, um, who, who we now have through the academy, we had him as a work placement originally. Uh, so we had him from the local school. So we had him for a week um, and then he had about a year left of school. Um, to get his you know GCSEs and everything done. And then he contacted us um, after he'd left school unfortunately his you know his sort of start time with us was delayed it was delayed for a number of reasons it's delayed because um, we couldn't find him a placement at, at the local college um, so he ended up going sort of to work for his dad you know for a year until a few months when we were approached by the academy um, up, at, up at home serve and and we just found the whole process it was it was seamless to be honest <laughs> it was it was literally sort of done and dusted within a few days you know um you know they they sent us the links to to the funding from the government website which which again was an easy process and yeah and 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 his start date i mean it probably took about eight weeks i think in total you know for sort of him you know um for you sort of us inquiring about it to him you know coming on board so yeah it was a really it was a really, really easy process, you know. It's so difficult to get engineers, gas engineers. There's a huge skill shortage in the, in the domestic gas market. Same with the commercial gas market. In fact, throughout all trades, there's a huge skills gaps. Um, and, 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 and for me, it's the, it's, it's the only way because you can mold them into how you want them to work. You know, you've got them from an early age, you know, and, and, and my experience is, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you do train an engineer, they, they stay with you. And it's the only way I can build my business. And I think it's the only way sort of forward in giving these youngsters a chance, you know, to, to, actually, to actually have a trade, you know, you know, and plus the great thing about it is they're getting paid. <laughs> they're getting paid for it as well. You know, I just, I just think it's really important. I think, I think, I think companies should, you know, companies should be looking at it. I mean, the incentives are there now, you know, I don't think the incentives were really there before. I think what shied me away from it before it wasn't so much it wasn't so much the 
that I had to pay him a salary. It was more the funding that I I couldn't get my head around the funding. It just there was no there's no clear sort of pathway for companies to say this is what you can do, you know. And and HomeServe took that all away. It's like anything, isn't it? The incentives could always be a bit more, you know. But um, it does it does help, you know. You know, with the you know like you know the money you are getting from the government now does help even with stuff like PPE, like giving them, you know, you know, any equipment and stuff that you need them, you know, it's, 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 you know, the salary side of it's not, you know, that's not really the impact. I haven't had an apprentice since about 2000 um, and I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. Customers actually are, are really interested that he's an apprentice. Um, I've probably had in the last two weeks at least three people pull him aside and say, this is the best thing you'll ever do. Well, that was Dylan Jones that runs On Gas, a small business, Helen, uh, running into a few issues along the way, but ultimately very positive. But it's interesting talking again about what you've both been talking about is that mixture of incentive or whatever you want to call it, a bit of financial help alongside the other support. Absolutely. They're the two barriers that we highlighted the most in the surveys we've done. Financial support, quite rightly said, Dexter, and also understanding how to go about it and and Dylan's example is very much about he had an experience it was too complicated he gave up but he came back at it and now he's got all the guidance he needs and support to onboard Ben and the money towards funding his wages in the initial period has really helped him take that next step so credit to Dylan for pursuing and trying again really. Dexter as you know an apprentice what would you say to businesses that are in that sort of position thinking about you know perhaps they've hit one robot they've hit another and just think oh god is this even worth it? Yeah I think firstly I, I mean he's definitely not alone in in the sense that he's hit roadblocks I think that we've spoken to so many employers that have struggled along the way um, but have got there in the end so obviously places like the Home Serve Academy local colleges can be a great place to start because you can go there if you know that they're running the, the right course for you um, then you can speak to them and they'll help you with that process. Um, unfortunately, what we have got is a vast amount of training providers, some that do lack the quality of others. Um, and, and this is where the problem becomes, is that, is that you, in, a, in a way you've got too many places to go to um, and there's no centralised place to go. Um, so I think we do need to streamline that process, obviously offer the support, offer the financial uh, bonuses as well, um, and hopefully we'll get there in the end. Well, let's hope so. Uh, Helen, before I let you go, we started this podcast talking about the mix of both, the the levy and the incentive. And I want to just return to the apprenticeship levy because we were speaking about it on our last episode where we spoke to Lizzie Crowley from the CIPD. And she was, I think it's fair to say, fairly downbeat about it, said it needed reworking because, well, it, it quite simply wasn't working. Um, just remind us, just very briefly, how it works. For anyone who hasn't listened to last week's episode, please do. Um, and where you stand on it. I think the principle of it is great because the focus on apprenticeships and almost the 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 impetus around investing in apprenticeships is the right thing to do they are the best quality training they um deliver the results that we need to skill up the workforce of the future the the way it operates at the moment the scheme operates has got issues because we do know that large employers benefit from it the most but they don't actually spend it all And so a lot of the unspent levy does go back to government at the moment. There is the opportunity to donate some of their unspent levy to small employers, but only 25%. 
and then that only goes to training costs for a small employer. So there isn't the flexibility in the current system to really unlock the potential that there is to increase the number of apprenticeships. We've talked about financial support in, in the form of wages, equipment and travel. We can't use the levy for that at the moment. We should allow that to happen and we should allow small employers to benefit more from it than they are currently. So I think it's about tweaking. I know I totally understand why the CIPD talked about a training levy because there are a number of other skills that other professions need um, and, and want to utilise the levy for. However, we mustn't do that to the detriment of apprenticeships. They're the bread and butter and they're the core of a lot of training opportunities and we want that to continue. So in principle, yes, but the system needs tweaking. Thank you very much to Helen, to Dexter and to Dylan. And thank you, of course, for listening to this episode of All About Apprenticeships. If you want to get in touch to have your say on anything we've been talking about today, you can find the HomeSurf Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag All About Apprenticeships. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and hit subscribe. It helps other people find us.